Yo, 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 what up? And welcome to episode zero of Feeling Films, The Black Label, a film critics roundtable for the culture. I'm Kobe Mack. I've got the missus of the podcast, and I'm so gracious to have her on, Ms. Erin Hunley. Hi, guys. Over there, I don't know, like in relative distance, but in the same vicinity, at least the same time zone, is my boy, Kales. Good evening. And over. I still never get the whole Midwest thing. It doesn't feel it, like, I don't get that geographic thing, right? I really, really don't. But we've got the man himself, Emmanuel Wassa. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Yo, it's Eman from Eman's Reviews. Up in Chicago. <laughs> what up? What up? What up? <laughs> Yo, welcome to the Black Label once again. Um, shout out to Aaron and Patch for graciously allowing us to use their platform to do something different. Coming to you very soon in February. Uh, we are embarking on a journey of understanding, appreciation, and celebration. It's like Black History Month, but a little bit better. Pretty much, you are going to get the dopest, realest podcast you could ever imagine from this feed. And um, it's going to get real. We're going to get real deep, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoy. We wanted to take some time on episode zero to kind of fill things out. Yo, I am so curious, the fact that we got four colorful voices here. And I just want to say, what's up? Tell me about it. Let's just talk. Let the people out there get to know us these uh these new voices how's everybody doing today good yeah good 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 it's great you know what i love i love seeing smiling teeth that's like that's that is great that's the that's the whitest thing on this podcast right now is all the white in these teeths it's great yo aaron how's moving Almost done. Almost done. I've got probably about 98% of my stuff moved out. It's just a matter of now sifting through the room at this house that there, it, all the boxes and everything are existing in. So it's, uh, I don't do well with the whole nomadic living out of boxes thing, but living in this house is temporary until a house is purchased in the next couple of months, hopefully. Oh. So I've been instructed not to unpack and that gives me a little anxiety. So it's a work in progress. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Take it from a guy who's moved on average every 18 months in the past 10 years. It's not fun, but it's just, it's, yeah, I'm crazy. I'm very That gives me anxiety just thinking about that. Oh my gosh. And the thing is, is I'm like Monica from Friends. I love to pack. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely love to pack. It's a chance to use my label maker. Absolutely love it. You've got but a label the ID, maker? Of course I do. I have two. Just in case the person breaks. Oh boy. Oh, oh wow. Boy. Oh I've never boy. heard of that. Someone having a label said, maker. Of That's course crazy. I do. You've never heard of somebody having a label maker? Not two. No, nobody. Not nobody. Okay, People so just the pack. Team, they just the like. Teeth may not be the whitest thing on this podcast anymore. <laughs> 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 Yo, Eman, how many label makers do you have? None. None. <laughs> it's that's, pretty much. A, it's a cardboard box and a sharpie, right? That's a, that's a fat zero for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, bro, how is life in Chicago? Um, it's very cold. Um, yeah, that's Chicago. It might get warm tomorrow and then cold again. So that's 
Yeah, we might barbecue tomorrow, you know. Get some ICs the next day. It's, it, you know, it's a, it's an adventure to find out what happens. Got you, got you, man. Yo, mm-hmm. tell me, um, I, I, I always tried to recall, like, man, where did I like stumble upon you, man? I think I've seen like some YouTube videos. We kind of run in some of the same Twitter circles. Definitely interactive a lot on Facebook. I love what you do, man. What, what, what got you in the game? Oh, man. Uh, life story, eh? All right. Um, I try and give the shorter version. So basically I started, uh, on Facebook. I was just watching a movie. I think it was like Dark Knight or something, you know, something like, so that tells you how far back this was. Um, just started giving my thoughts on movies and stuff. And then, um, I would just kind of do it like weekly, just a quick post telling people what I thought about it. And then I stopped for a while and, uh, people was like, yo, hello, what are you doing? We need to know, like, <laughs> what's the net, what's up? So I was like, oh, y'all care. Oh, okay. So, you know, one thing led to another. I started up my website, started up the fan page. Um, it was okay for a little bit. Didn't really, uh, pop off until I started branching off into YouTube. Uh, started doing my videos, grinding every day. Um, it was like hundreds of videos for only a couple hundred fans until I went viral doing like some uh, Marvel theories and some other stuff. And then all of a sudden we went from like a couple hundred to like now 76,000 on YouTube, 135,000 on Facebook. It's insane. Wow. Um, man, you know, it's, it's a good time. But the, the real reason why I got into this was because I didn't hear or see anyone that looked like me or us. Um, giving our opinion on on movies because um, and we'll get into this later, but um, there's a very unique perspective uh, that I think we all bring to the table. And, you know, I felt like Thanos. I was like, man, if ain't nobody else going to do it, I got to do it myself. <laughs> you know, So, yeah, that's that's basically a short story of how I got started and why took matters into your own hands and said, you know what? I need to bring balance to the universe and I'm going to do it in the most blackest way that I could possibly think of in my film critique. That's dope, bro. And spoiler free. Hey, I like that. I, I am very appreciative how much you say, Hey, this is spoiler free. And I love supporting you. And sometimes you'll get the stuff before I do. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to like, I'm going to share this. I will not watch it. (laughs) Yeah. Because even though sometimes it's spoiler-free, I'm like, ah, I still don't want to know, man. I feel, hey. I feel you. Yo, shout-outs to our other Avenger, my boy Black Nerd Magic, Kales, up in Washington as well. My man, I feel like I've known you the longest of our group, but I still have, like, mm. I, I've not gotten a chance, like, really, like, deep dive. Yo, what what brought this guy into, like, my world? Like, what, what, where did your fandom of movies come from and, like, what do you feel like is your calling in this space? I feel like my fandom movie started when I was just a little kid. Um, I remember that my mom would get like the Disney VHS tapes for me and everything. And I would just watch those. And I think kind of my appreciation for films started, but I wasn't really too serious, like all go lucky about it because I was a kid. But as soon as I started growing up, I feel that my first real experience of me like wanting and treating film like an art was when I first watched Pulp Fiction at the age of 16. 
I remember the day it was like a Friday. I had just gotten off of school. I had rent. I went to a video rental store. I know that's very old, but yes, I a video rental store, and I had rented a DVD of Pulp Fiction, and I sat down and watched it. And then once it was done, I was like, wow, like it was like the first movie that just like just blew me away. And I was like, if I could find any some kind of way to work in this industry, any kind of way, I'll do it. I'll do it no matter what the cost is. And after, you know, high school, college, you know, I would do I would like watch a lot of film. My friends would come to me for reviews, but I wasn't really doing anything as far as writing reviews or starting a blog or doing any kind of like vlogging of any kind. So kind of was on the back burner for a while, like. Even four or five years ago, I was writing reviews on Google Docs. I would like watch a random film just of my own choosing and just do a review on Google Docs and just like, but I would never hardly show it to anybody. Like sometimes I would show it to some close friends, be like, hey, what did you think about this? But, you know, it was never something like, oh, I'm going to go like public with this. I want other people to, sh- to read my thoughts because I wasn't just like really confident in myself at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think like two years ago, um, I just like, I was laying down in bed one day. I was thinking like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to start, I'm going to start writing reviews, you know, like it may not get published in a paper. It may not be like for a bit publication, but I'm just going to start writing. And so that's when I found Letterboxd and I just started writing and writing. And then that's when I first connected with um Aaron and everything. And he was like, Hey, you know, where do you live at? And I was like, I live near like Seattle area in Tacoma. He's like, okay. And then like, you know, we started talking and everything. Then he started bringing me to screenings. And then, you know, from there, you know, I kind of learned like the rules of the game as far as like being the space. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, I kind of just want to inspire other people who are like me to understand that they do have a voice because like E-Man said, like there was hardly anybody you saw in the space. And I know when I was a kid, I was just reading Roger Ebert reviews, but I was always wondering where, where's our Roger Ebert, you know? And so, if nothing else, I just want to be like a Roger Ebert, <laughs> you know. I think Roger Ebert had this thing just even growing up and where I've grown up. So born in Miami, raised in New York. I would hear Roger Ebert. I know he was like a film critic, but I felt detached from like, I mean, I don't think he's watching stuff that I'm watching. <laughs> and most of the time, if he did end up watching something, it never it, it, it never really resonated um, so I didn't have like an, a, a voice to aspire to, but mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. Like the, the one thing that, that I hear from like both of y'all was like, you know, the, this voice and wanting to do it for something. Aaron, with your journey and I've really peeped onto your game. Um, I, I think I've read one of your reviews and I can't remember exactly what it was. And I was like, yo, one, I feel like the female space for critics it's very different, especially for women of color. Um, and there is no Roger Ebert <laughs> for, for y'all. Um, I, and, and, and there's not even a prevalent voice that I know of, like that's a female critic that ever like kind of like elevate, elevated to that level. Like, you know, like there was Cisco, there was Ebert. There's like some folks that I know from like, you know, E and from, you know, uh, NBC and stuff like that. But like nothing that really like sticks out. I mean, I don't know if you were like, oh, when I'm when I grow up, I'm gonna be a film critic. I don't think anybody really says when I grow up, I want to be a film critic. But like, Aaron, what was your journey to kind of get to where you are now? Because yo, I don't know if y'all know, but I saw my girl on TV like a month back, and she was talking about movies. I'm like, yo, look at her, look at those curls. You'll see the curls. Um, yeah. So my journey was probably a little bit different than everybody else's when it comes to actually how I got to this space. I've had a passion for movies and TV my entire life. My parents used to tell me that I preferred to exist in 
fictional worlds than the real one. They were not wrong. Um, but, uh, kind of, you know, I moved to Washington about five and a half years ago and kind of went through a lull. You know, they talk about the Seattle freeze and it very much is real. It takes a while to find any sense of community here. And when I moved from Oklahoma, which is like the epitome of Midwest community, like the nicest people you've ever met, you know, racism aside. Um, but like you have this sense of community where people are, constantly just looking out for one another and their neighbors. And I didn't have that here. Um, and so after a couple of years of living here, it was kind of getting to the point where I was like, I need to shake things up, try something different. I was working at Apple at the time and I had met this uh, customer named Jose, um, Jose Moreno. And he came in literally like six times in one month, always with a broken phone. And at that point, I was like, okay, like I had already worked with him twice before. I could usually pull a couple of strings and just get him taken care of very quickly. So I'd usually just bump him up. I grab him really quick, even if I wasn't like on the floor working. And just through that, we started talking. He works in PR and he worked for, I believe he worked for ESPN at the time that I, I met him. He works for Fox now, Fox Sports. Um, and, um, we just started talking about stuff and he knew that I loved to write and that I was super passionate about media. And so he started taking me to screenings and that's where I met, um, Tim, AKA people's critic. And I met Aaron and, and everybody, um, you know, kind of our tiny little Seattle unit of Seattle film critics. And they were fantastic. And I, I just started writing for my blog and my blog was, is a combination of like lifestyle travel and film reviews. Well, like, it wasn't getting a ton of traction and I realized like I do really love film, but I actually watch way more TV than I watch film. Um, just with my schedule and stuff like that. Um, I had, I was working four jobs at the time. So like between my day job, my, my side hustle as an, I I run my own Etsy shop, my blog, plus being a film critic. So like trying to find time to fit everything in on top of one another. Thankfully I don't have children or pets to take care of. Um, and like when I started, I was single, so I didn't have another person to factor in. And so I just started kind of live, not necessarily live streaming, but live Facebook statusing my thoughts as I would go through TV shows and people went crazy for it. Um, so like I did the American version of the office. That was like probably one that people were freaking out over. So like, as I'm going through it, I'm talking about how unbelievably racist and ignorant Michael Scott is in the first couple of seasons and how literally like he was one of the most detestable characters ever created for TV. I still stand by that, by the way. Um, but like, don't get me wrong. I see the look you're giving me. And the thing is, is Michael Scott has redeeming moments. I will never, I will never dispute that. But just, my goodness, the first three seasons are painful to watch with I the just, viewpoint of today. I just want to know, does this include Prison Mike or not? <laughs> Prison Mike is one of his redeeming moments, obviously. Okay, okay, okay. then we're he's cool. Passing we're on, he's passing on hard-earned lessons. Yeah. We're cool, then. The disillusion of, of Michael full Scott. Full of terrible tropes. Is, <laughs> yeah, the, the disillusion of Michael Scott is cute. I'm, I, I'm gifted at compartmentalization, so... I, I think like it's different though if, if you watch it now. Oh, like yeah. so I think it I think it would have been different if I had watched it when it first came out. Mm -hmm. But watching it I think I did this literally in like 2017 or 2018. Oh. So it was like relatively recently that I went through and watched it. And like with the way that the world has changed or I shouldn't say it has changed but how a lot more components of the world have become aware of subtext and things like that. I think that there's definitely a, a 
a different mindset that you go into watching it when you haven't seen it before. Now I had seen the British version of the office because Ricky Gervais, like I am a huge fan of British humor because it's very dry, very blunt, but like, you know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And Michael Scott was just, he was no Ricky Gervais, like just not the same style of humor at all. But like I live streamed me watching the season finale of uh, the office and I got so many people commenting on it, talking about how I needed to keep doing it and like bolt, like all of these things. And that kind of just led to more traction with the blog and putting out reviews. And then Aaron brought me on board for feel and film to give more of a female perspective. And I believe also because I am a woman of color. And so it just kind of has just gone from there and just continued to expand upon that. Like you said, you know, you saw me on TV, people's critic approached me with the great opportunity to come and talk about my favorite films of the decade. Um, had to give a shout out to Black Panther on there. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it was very interesting because all three of us brought very, very different perspectives. Obviously, Tim is also a person of color. Um, Matt was there and Matt tends to work more in like the horror genre. Um, whereas like I, I seem to have a, a very, I realized that afterward, I seem to have a very like almost family friendly list. <laughs> Whereas everybody else is like, you should watch this. Like Matt had like a zombie Nazi movie on his list, like oh. a lot, lot uh-huh. of varying degrees. Yeah, but it was it was really cool to kind of get that opportunity as a woman of color and to be able to do it um, rocking my natural hair. Like you had talked about my curls, and that's been a journey for me. I've only I only went natural a little less than two years ago, um, and so it's it's definitely been a journey as a woman of color and a woman of color getting more. Um, I don't want to say screen time, but more visibility mm-hmm. in this space and being able to do that looking like myself instead of looking like how I think the world thinks I should look. So it's, it's been an, it's been a really interesting journey. That was, that was some heat. That was that's nice some like fire that. right there. That <laughs> I, I think, I think it's so amazing when you just have folks that you appreciate, you admire that just talk. And then like, you can find so much commonality, um, like just within the conversation, what I'm hearing and I kept hearing like voice and perspective. And like, I think it's, it's, it's so important because in this space of we watch content, we watch film, we watch TV, and then we choose to talk about it. And we also choose to write about it. There's so much power in words, the words, the way that they translate onto screen and how people read them and ultimately can try to find what their voices or the perspective or their identity is and what we have to say. And just, there's also that kind of like, there's a fulfillment for me of like, I don't want to say validation, but it, 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 it is good to know that one, when I got into this, I did not have a plan to say, yo, I'm going to have this Kobe told me empire, right? Nah, I just, I love watching movies. I'm doing this for fun. Let me, di- let me just take a look and see if people care. And each one of your stories told me that somebody cared. Like they took the time to care and ultimately they would not have cared if you didn't step out of like your comfort zone and just try it, right? Like, yep. you, you, and, and then it could take forever. I don't think it's instantaneous and just like you went viral and then you got this opportunity, Aaron. And then I, I think it's so dope the way that you met Aaron Coles that this man that's been doing this thing for a while, been doing it pretty good, just like, just gave you an olive branch. It's like, hey, 
you know, are you are you close by? Would you like to watch a movie? I love doing that. Like, maybe I'm the one weirdo where, like, I just love watching movies of random strangers. I talk to folks at the movie theater, like, yo, what you think about this? You know, stuff like that. I I love the communal aspect. You're of that guy. Yeah. I am definitely. I'm with you, E. I'm you're like, the guy I walk away from. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, you're the guy that I'll, like, give a passive recognition to and then just kind of, like, slide away yeah. a little bit. <laughs> you know what? Like, I'll black guy head nod. I'm the guy who, uh, uh, three weeks ago, I was watching a movie and I thought I was the only person that was in the theater. And then comes this uh, uh, this woman, comes in by herself. She sits two rows in front of me. I'm the guy that got up to go sit next to her. Oh, my God. Now, keep in mind. I would have left. I would have oh. left. I would have left. I'm surprised you didn't get a slap. I, I was like, this is how I die. This Yo, is so it. This, this I would have been thing, telling you know? everybody, this is my last location. <laughs> this is a picture of the guy that came and sat next to me. I thought you were going to say, like, okay, after the movie, I was going to say, hey, what did you think about it since – we the only ones here. You got up and do it. Come on, man. Yeah, you can't. Right right you that before. guy that walks all the way down to the end of the urinal section just to no. take a <laughs> <laughs> Nah, that's not me. Okay. Like, all right. Go to the stall. What, go to the what stall. Her face like? Just tell me what her face looked like when you did that. <laughs> it was, okay. She was a little off put because I would say I, I'm a people person. And because most listen, of the time we end up murdered in those that's situations. That's true. Very, very true. All right. One. I don't recommend you. this for everybody, right? I just so happened to be a very charming individual, and I was like, "Yo, listen, um, I was I thought I had this movie theater all to myself. You kind of spoiled it, so now I'm gonna watch the movie with you, just in the event that I get scared." And that typically doesn't always work, except it tends to work. I know you're taken, your but that mind. sounds like a really creepy pickup line. Number oh, one, and number two, is very my wife. I'd be like, "Okay, this story had a." <laughs> 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 nah, maybe maybe it's the New York in me, but like I just I, I love celebrating films. So like I I made it really cool. It's like hey, if you want to talk about the movie, we're like that is good. Celebrated at a distance. Celebrated from the back of the theater. Yeah, I wasn't like I didn't sit right next to her. Like it was like two seats down. You know what I'm saying? I was like cool, but no, but I I just I love how movies bring us together, even if it's one seat apart from somebody that you don't know. I love the power movie and the voices that we have. Because one, I think that our voices in particular, we have the gift to be able to share them. Not only because I feel that they are valued, but like they are absolutely needed. Um, do you believe that one, with what we write and what we talk about, we have a power and effect on what people think of a film before they go to it? Like, isn't that the goal of what being a critic is? Yes, um, for sure. Um, I can't tell you the many times I've had people here in Tacoma that have come up to me. My friends have seen me on Instagram and Facebook. They'd be like, hey, Kales, like, thank you for, like, saving me, like, from wasting money on this film. Or, like, hey, Kales, like, keep up the good reviews. Like, I really like reading reviews. And I can't tell you the, like, the power you feel in that moment, but you also feel, like, just kind of, like, yeah, like, people really do appreciate what what I'm bringing to the space. And it makes you want to do it even more. That's the great thing about it. You get inspiration. You get, like, that excitement like a little kid inside to just continue to do reviews and get better and better and just, like, show people that, like, hey, like, you know, if you need somebody to depend on, you know, you can look for me, you know? Absolutely. And we've all kind of indicated that there was something missing in the space, right? Enough folks that look like us, talk like us, live like us, and sounded like us, right? 
Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm I'm right there with Coles with that. Like when I first really started getting into this, like my tagline was always to give you short, brief, spoiler-free reviews so that you can decide to save time or, you know, make better decisions in the theaters. So I always approached it as I'm doing a service, you know, for people. Like, I've, I've structured my reviews to sound like I'm that best friend that saw a movie and I'm telling you about it without ruining it. Like, that's always been my, my whole M.O. But as I've kind of gotten deeper into it and you know kind of refine the craft a little bit learn some new words like cinematography you know (laughs) Um, you know then the service started to feel more like a responsibility um and i think what ended up happening was not only to continue to provide content for my uh following and subscribers but also um my perspective, my unique perspective on movies, that carried a sense of weight because I knew with certain films, you're not going to hear certain things talked about it. So, you know, for example, when Green Book came out, I was probably one of the few people that was like, yo, this was good, but it's racially safe. And people didn't really understand what that meant. And I had what, to explain. What, what, what does that mean? So racially safe, you know, without going too deep into it, is basically like when you hit the you hit the viewer with some racial content, something really impact, you know, that'll impact you emotionally. And then you sugarcoat it and just erase it with some funny comedic thing or whatever. And you never really feel the lingering effects and the real damage that's done through racism. So whenever we have these stories that are put up there on the screen, you know, like in Green Book, for example, you don't see what happens to um, to the black characters after they've been profiled, after they've been harassed, after they've been abused. We just immediately go to the white character. He feels sorry about it. But then this his day go, goes on. We don't see the trauma that really lingers, you know, with people of color. So um, it, I, I, I kind of felt like it was important. It was it was a sense of responsibility to kind of like bring that to the forefront because, you know, your average critic, you know, who's not a person of color is not going to even know to comment on that. Hmm. You know, that's not their experience. And that's okay. But that's also why we need people like us to introduce that into the conversation. And even with Black Panther, this was not just any old superhero movie. You know, I really had to communicate to people that, like, I don't think you understand that this is not popular just because it has black people. It's popular because it gave us a vision of something we didn't even know was possible. A country that's never been enslaved, never been conquered, fully advanced, fully sufficient. What? You know, so like it it was kind of like having that voice to bring to the table, I think, just add a lot of value. And that's the kind of stuff that woke me up to keep on doing it, whether it was getting views or not. Like, no, this has to be heard. I think it's also really important to acknowledge the fact that there's unlearning that all of us have to do too. So there are things that like we've all grown up with obviously varying perspectives and varying popularities of different movies and things like that. Like I am the first to admit I have still yet to finish the movie Roots. My dad showed that to me when I was like nine and scarred me. 
So I have yet to finish it. Uh, um, you know, I didn't see the color purple until my freshman year of college. So like there are some, there's definitely some things that I know that I check myself on a regular basis. Um, what was the movie? Was, was it Detroit? Was that, that the horror movie? Yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah. Um, so I remember leaving it really angry about the situation that the movie was about. And then like a week or two later, as I'm realizing and reading other critics of color and their perspective about the varying undertones of having a black person's story told through a white person's lens, mm-hmm. I'm realizing that there were more things that upset me about that, mm-hmm. that like I didn't realize that was what it was actually like, that was what I was actually mad about until somebody as a person of color put the words into perspective right. for me. Cause right. I was like, yes, these are events that happen in history that are sure. very upsetting. Obviously, like it wasn't shocking to be upsetting, but I couldn't understand what was irking me and why it was sitting with me. Mm. It wasn't like it was the first movie about racial injustice that I had seen, mm. but it just kept just, there was just something that was just like, just left a bad taste in my mouth and I couldn't figure it out. And I think that mm-hmm. that's the value of where voices of color come in is that they're able to help you dissect and unlearn things that just decades of white media has enforced on us on what a movie should or shouldn't be. Now, don't get me wrong. I chose 10 movies that were relatively family friendly because I personally, I enjoy them. I have no problem admitting them. I enjoy watching a movie that, that makes me escape from what this current reality is like, no qualms about it. Sometimes it's just easier. I will, to the day I die, go down saying that Paddington was the biggest snub. So very upset about it's a it. Beautiful film. <sighs> Still haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, bro! I'm telling you, you should. Like, I, I had no expectations for this little bear movie, and it that was thing just so delightful. Plus, you ain't alone. I ain't see that movie either, man. Bro, let me tell you. Yo, something. I saw my niece watching it, and she was like so into it. I was like, maybe I need. I sat down for it's the last like crazy. twenty minutes. I was pleasantly surprised. Like I went into it with like, okay, what the heck is this bear movie about? Like I knew who Paddington Bear was. Like he's a British icon. Yeah. But I was like, okay, how can they make an entire movie out of this? But then I was like, oh, they've made an entire movie out of way less than this. So let's see. (laughs) And I watched the first one and oh my gosh, I was like absolutely just, it was just so delightful. And the thing is, is it's been so long since there's been a good movie that didn't have vulgar humor in it and didn't have, again, racial undertones or racial niceties where it's like, I'm angry. I'm angry too, but let's join together and be angry at something else together. Like, and racism. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. (laughs) But like, it, it's just so delightful. And then I watched the second one and it was even more delightful. And I was like, it can't possibly be more delightful than the first one. And then it was. And it's just so British. So delightful. delightful. It It is. is. I gotta tell you, it's, it's really damn sweet. But you're right. And the more and more I think about it, like, there's this craving of trying to, like, really. I really value the way that we interpret films, right? Not just because there's a need in this space, but I think also with what you, you, you mentioned of something that was really great, Aaron, about black stories being told through a white lens, right? It doesn't mean that they shouldn't be told through that lens. Like I'm going to give credence to any filmmaker that is impassioned about a story to tell. And I, you won't hear me say on this podcast, like, yo, Steven Spielberg had no business, you know, being responsible for The Color Purple. The Color Purple was an amazing film. Mm-hmm. I just wonder what a story would have looked like 
through a different lens. It doesn't mean that I value the lens in which it was told. It's that it, and I also don't want to say it's incomplete. There's just more, you know, and because of the systematic things that are in place in this country, we've been restricted in what we see, right? We've been restricted on the history that's even taught to us in school. Um, And I hope that we get to a point that we can have that we we can get our history back and we can tell it through our lens. We can tell it with our resources. We can tell it with our actors and our writers and not to make it just ours, but to make it more inclusive of everyone. And then ultimately what my hope is, is that it ends up shaping the way that we perceive film for a lot of times in the, in where I grew up, if Roger Ebert, and we're going to use him as like, the pedestal of like, you know, film criticism in America, right? If Roger Ebert didn't see a film, that means that he didn't care to see the other film. That just meant it was bad, right? So when I didn't get reviews or like any thoughts on the films where people look like me, in my mind, I was mm. cultured to think that they were lesser than. Ooh, that's, mm. that's something. Hey, you know what you're talking about though, low key? You're talking about Oscar's so white. And... <laughs> We're I now in this. We're we're in the season. We're in the season. This is a celebration of a year in film, and but is I it? I want to use Oscar So White, but it's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> you know, because it's um, accurate. I, I mean, very accurate. Yeah, but I don't think it's been a celebration of film for a long time. Correct. It's been a yeah. celebration of a small segment of film. That's correct. Right. And, and yeah. I think there's been a veneer of a celebration of film but then also we got to understand the industry and the commerce side of it this is to sell movies that's what this award show is but also it's one of the most heralded events that we have in american history and it's something that the entire country whether they like it or not pays attention to and what it does signal to them in whatever small way and maybe it doesn't matter it really really does is that this is the best of the best even though that there's bureaucracy to it right but it feels like an unfair play playing field when it seems like only so many people get to participate to say what is the best, right? And th- and I will say the Academy is trying to make strides to fix it, but there's something about these nominations that came out a week or so ago that tells me otherwise. I wish we could be on video right now. Just <laughs> yes. There's so much side If y'all could hear our faces. The side eye that's being thrown right now. I had to move my hands to just like... I'm sitting here like my lips hurt from just... Okay. I'm sorry, Kobe. I didn't mean to interrupt. I know, bro. I mean, this, this, like I said, this is a round table. This is an open forum. I I, I leave it up to y'all. The the segue was brilliant, by the way, my brother. Yeah, yeah. You know, I tried with the alley-oop. Look, let me just get one thing clear um, because there is a very poor misunderstanding i'm going to try and give benefit uh, you know the benefit of the doubt to people that um propose this idea every time keep in mind every time race and the oscars and diversity comes up this is not a conversation about just rewarding the best because that comes up every time oh, we don't want participation trophies yeah like it's not a participation mm-hmm. trophy just like Kobe said earlier, this is literally a situation where you have the Oscar voters who are heavily, heavily predominantly older white men. That's not a slant 
That's not a ding. It's not an insult. It's just a fact. They were, it's just a group of older white guys who happen to have their own preference in movies, which is fine. Same way Aaron has a preference for family movies and I got a preference for comics and horrors and stuff. That's fine. But when you don't see actual movies, you're not actually evaluating the best of the best. The best equivalent I can give people that I think will be very, uh, very analogous to all of this would be like baseball. Ooh, Babe Ruth was yo, not the yo, best legit. baseball player. I use the same okay. argument to It's my not homie. until yes. integration happened and we stopped segregation that we were actually able to see, wait a minute, Hank Aaron's not that bad. Oh, wait a minute. That boy Jackie Robinson got some skill. That's when you started to actually get the real scope of what's really good or not. So when you have an academy that's predominantly white male and they don't want to see little women, they don't want to see the farewell. They literally choose not to go see Get Out or Us. That's a situation where you're not evaluating the best of the best. And that I think is they why. need to start saying that if you want to vote, you have to watch every film. I mean, you know what? I don't know how probable that is because it's a lot of movies. And the biggest problem is the fact that they cram all these Oscar nominees or contenders in like a month. You know, they, they don't spread them throughout the year. They cram them all in like one month. Yeah. I don't know if everybody has the time to see them. My thing is just that I just want to increase the amount of diverse voters like Rotten Tomatoes did a really good job of trying to be more inclusive. They were they were very intentional of looking for actual people in the industry that are underrepresented who don't get an opportunity to actually be heard. And they increase their membership by a whole lot. I think the Academy can do that. They've tried. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the numbers, they doubled the amount of women and they doubled the amount of people of color since 2015 however the total number still is 61 percent all white older men 31 percent women and of that 16 percent are people of color and that still might be women so maybe they're checking off two boxes so i just want people to really understand that this is not necessarily um a matter of trying to find a magic number you know, of like, oh, it's got to be 50-50. No, 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 that's not it. The question is just about whether or not we have the most people that are qualified to vote on these things. Are they all having an opportunity? And is everybody getting a chance to see everything? Because if they can, then we can really vote on what's the best. I'm sorry to take up so much time. Somebody else take the mic. But I'm that's what we're going to talk about on this podcast is how do we even the playing field? I think it's just, it's, it's like, it's like you said, like, because such a large portion of it is controlled by a very specific group of people, there's, there's only going to be representation of that specific group of people's opinions. And I think that people don't really understand that people blatantly said, I don't think the hustlers is worth my time. So I'm not going to go see it. Yeah. And I get that. But then in my opinion, you are like, I may not like horror, but if I have to vote on what's the best horror movie of the year, guess what? I have to expose myself to horror films. 
period. Like that, that is just the best way to actually have a valid and valued opinion. Mm -hmm. And like I said, in my opinion, they should actually enforce and say that you have to see at least 85% of the films that are up for these categories before you're able to vote. I don't know how they would enforce that, but like I would, there has to be some way for them to encrypt and say that these codes, like if they're giving, cause I know they're giving a lot of digital copies away now, for uh, screeners and things like that for Oscar season. Like if they're like, these codes have to be activated. We have to show that you actually viewed the film before we can actually no, count your vote. Do book reports growing up. They got to do book reports. <laughs> hey, I love book reports. So that was not, that was not, <laughs> that's not an argument for me, but, but I just, I think it requires at this point, And like, it sounds terrible, but I feel like in so many areas of life, whether it be political film like any of those things a lot of us are just waiting for an entire generation to die before real change can be made and like i hate to say it but i also don't hate to say it because it's true like progress can only be made if people are willing to let go release and step into something new if you're not willing to do that if you're too stubborn or too prideful then step aside so somebody else can yeah, I I just keep wondering why, you know, the Oscars continues to give us like little like doggy treats here and there, you know, throughout the years. Because, you know, we've seen when Cynthia Portier won back in 1964 for Lilies of the Field, that was like the first big breakthrough. You know, and then before that, we had Hattie McDaniel. So, you know, we've seen throughout the years that the Oscars has been willing to give out these little doggy treats here and there to show that they're trying to change. But then the next preceding years, you see no sign of that change at all. The, years. The, Prime is that years. years. Like when Moonlight won Best Picture over La La Land back in 2016, 2017. After the big mix up. Yeah, the big mix up. Yeah, which is now the bigger story instead of Moonlight winning. Moonlight is only known now because of that gaffe. Not because of the quality of the film, but because of the gaffe, which sucks. It, it really hurts. And I thought, even with that, I thought that we were finally breaking down the doors. I thought that, okay, this is our chance now for black representation to come here maybe we hopefully never get to see another hashtag of oscars not so white but then and then that and then next year we had get out come out and get out to be honest to me in my opinion get out is one of the top five films of the decade you know matter no matter if it was a film about just a black guy who's like being terrorized and stalked by a white family you know i mean we're talking about we're talking about no matter the color we're just talking about a great horror film altogether, you know, no matter the shape of that. So when we get to the best picture, I thought that Get Out had a really good shot at winning best picture. I thought like this, this has to be it. Like if there's a film that represents what the Oscars is looking for, as far as being a best picture contender, something that actually like shakes up the society and actually feels like it's a part of what's going on in America. This is the film right here. I don't see any other yeah. contenders that can compete with that. And then when it gets to the night, we see that Shape of Water wins it. And that's fine. I mean, I love Shape of Water. That's one of my favorite films as well. But I felt that the Oscars played it safe, which is what they've been doing for their whole history. They once again had a chance to push down more of the door and actually break through and say, hey, we finally changed. We actually now have like a more like cleaner and more elegant look when it comes to black representation in film. But that wasn't the case, you know. And and I kind of want to piggyback on that because what kind of like what you were talking about, we get tossed a bone, you know, and the problem that I have is that one, that bone is temporary. Right. And two, it's the quality of the bone that never actually 
I don't think people really analyze, right? So besides Sidney Portier and all that, when you look at like a lot of the minority actors that, t- especially the black actors that win, it's usually, usually for when, for doing something, uh, like, uh, uh, Denzel had to be a crooked cop. Or he took uh, it. Uh, Paul you know, struggle, struggle. uh, Forrest Whitaker had to be a tyrannical, you know, tyrant rather than Will Smith doing the best role he ever did as a single black father making it like that couldn't win. Um, Lapita being a slave, you know, like it's, you know, Halle Berry being a Lapita uh, being out. anything. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, even, yeah, even the nomination, um, for Harriet, you know, it's kind of like the farewell little women, Lapita, none of them, but you pick the slave. That's what you want to nominate. Be- and because the Academy like, loves slave movies they and they love, love horror slave movies. movies. They love, but I mean, it's, it's, Harriet, it's like black roles don't matter unless they emphasize a negative stereotype. They fit into a box. We're they very fit into box. a box. And that's why we need more voices within that Academy to kind of be like, it's fine if that's what you like, but we're also going to bring these other roles to the table. And one last thing I'll say is, I do have a friend of mine who's kind of in the industry. So he does listen to the execs. And he talks to some voters and stuff. And one thing that was said along with the fact that they choose not to watch certain things is that they won't watch something. Let's just say if it is a, a female or a person of color type of uh, movie, unless they're pressured to, unless like everybody else is like, this was the best thing. You have to watch it. And that to me is sad because if you're an Academy member, if you're a film critic or whatever it is, like you should have that inner motivation already. What you're it's describing just, hey, yes. yeah. is a conviction of the heart. Right. And that's ultimately like what I implore. I, I think that honestly, in a lot of the things just in this country, right? A lot of the things that we can fix, we have the ability to fix it. We don't have the heart to fix it. And it does take a conviction of the heart. Full intentionality to say, you know what? Can I really call something the best picture without seeing to the best of my ability as many pictures as I can? Now, the one thing that I'll say this, right? I, 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 I've worked, I've worked and still are working in the industry. And then I've now taken this road and being a critic. It's my part-time job. That's also a hobby to analyze these films. A lot of the members in the academy, their full-time job is being working industry professionals. And it doesn't make room to watch. I mean, I watched 172 2019 new releases, 144 of which in the theater. I mean, even when they were reading out the, the Oscar nominees, Issa Rae had asked John Cho if he saw a film. He's like, I haven't seen it yet. And you think, yo, you're an actor. You should be in love with movies and storytelling. But I understand you work on these films and it, it, it is tough. But I also say that there's a responsibility if you choose, and it's a privilege to be a part of the Academy, you are saying that I have a responsibility to celebrate film and do it so in a way that when we nominate these films, I am really looking for what represents what film should be. And if you do, if you have a very small sample size, then you're not being honest with your results. You know, well, like if you're wanted- looking at the past of film instead of yeah. the future of film, is they're just sticking with what they know and what they like and they're there's nothing wrong right. with that because, right. again, mm-hmm. like there's nothing wrong we if you have, have a preference. But the we whole point it. of being a voting body is that you're exposing yourself to new things. Mm-hmm. How did you know that you had those preferences until you were exposed to them? Absolutely. For all I know, I could love horror. 
I will not. But (laughs) the exposure to it is what tells you whether or not you know, like, I know I've already seen horror movies. They dragged me to see Annabelle because I lost a dare. (laughs) I ended up bruising Tim's leg because I kept hitting him. Um, (laughs) It's not my thing. But if I was on a voting body for mm-hmm. films and horror movies were up, I would I would force myself to watch it, yeah. which is, again, why I haven't watched a particular movie that was mentioned that garnered shock across the podcast. I apologize. I know I'm supposed Don't to worry. support our We, we, we all have homework us, assignments. But I have not seen Us. I haven't seen Get Out. They're on my list. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You were the only one that heard me. You haven't seen both of Oh, Lord. I was, I'll be okay with us, but get out. Need time out. Need time out. Oh lord. Hey, in my defense, and I'm not saying that it's defendable, but again, all I kept hearing about Get Out was that it was just like this insane, suspenseful horror movie, and that it was full of like jumpy moments that just keep you on the edge of your seat and blah blah. blah. And I am an anxious person, guys. Okay. Like going into something like that, I have to mentally prepare. Like, I apologize. I had to uncut gems for work last week. I was not prepared for the suspense. <laughs> I was not prepared to have anxiety from the beginning of that film to the end. Like, and I was, I, I don't even have stakes in uncut gems. I am not Jewish and I am not a jewelry seller. But in, in Get Out, I feel like a part <laughs> of me does have stakes in that. So I don't want that elevate. I have to prepare. It's a mental preparation. And then us, I couldn't even watch the trailer. Like, just a slasher. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer is one of the greatest, greatest trailers ever it put together. I, I could definitely see that. You know, I, I love how how beautiful. Like, I love where this conversation went to. Keep in mind, folks, this is not planned. We have a general idea of like what we want to talk about, <laughs> and it just organically goes through these twists and turns. And yo, we've got homework. We've got things to fully flesh out. There is so much more to come on this podcast. Let me tell you, February can't get here quick enough. Because I feel like we've touched on these little berries that we just want to be able to chew on. And, like, we can go deep if we wanted to. Even though it's late, we could probably spend three, four, five hours just talking about not only the love of film, but where film can be. And we will get into the future of film, what it means to be black, what it means to be a black film critic. What does it mean to interpret black stories, black tropes? And it's not just about us being black, but celebrating the other points of diversity that we need. I want to see so much more representation in the 2020s in the best way, in the most organic way, the most unforced way. So that way we can talk about and love about films and really convict people's hearts of the change that we need. Yo, oh man, I don't want to stop, but I, <laughs> I don't, but this is a tease. This is episode zero. We can't have too much of a good. We coming for you, Tyler Perry. We, we coming for you. Okay, that's Tyler next Perry, episode. That's next episode. That's next y'all, episode. Yeah. Sorry. Y'all Sorry. do not want to miss the next episode, I where apparently you. I am going to waste two hours of my life that I'll no. never get back. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait. You about to go watch that, but you can't go watch Get Out. It's not. Is it a horror movie? Tyler Perry's are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah. It will scare you. You always got a monster black guy. My commentary on a film that I have never seen. <laughs> Yo, by the bad acting, you'll be haunted. These priorities. <laughs> These priorities. Okay, how about this? I'll watch. I'll try to watch Get Out on my flight tomorrow. Deal. There is no try. There's only do. Yeah. Can't do that. <laughs> okay, then I'll watch it when I get to the hotel. That way, I'm in a safe environment to scream and not freak people out on a flight. 
you will not that. scream again. You scream. I promise. You know, I, 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 really, I truly believe that. I screamed in Lord of the Rings. There, there are so many comedic moments in that. Like, you're not yeah. going to scream. I, It'll be I, yeah. I would be shocked. But, yo, we, we, we've all got some homework. Um, I'm, 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 I'm great. I'm so incredible. Yeah, Paddington is your guys' homework. Yeah, I gotta get I've on that. Yeah, yeah. Watch it with my girls. If you <laughs> want me to watch Get Out, you have to watch Paddington. Challenge accepted. I watch. Look at that, yo! Challenge Hollywood. There's a challenge that we are proposing. Challenge. 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 <laughs> yo, Eman, Kales, Aaron, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Thanks so much for gracing this podcast giving me a dope episode zero to be able to work with. I am excited for February. This four-part series that we got for y'all is going to be incredibly special. I hope that you enjoy our our voices. Um, Yo, shout-outs to Aaron and Patch of the Feeling Film Podcast for allowing the Black Label to come and do its thing. Misses of the Pod, just remind the folks where they can be able to find and follow you. Hey guys, um, so my name is spelled ridiculously, um, but my blog is essentially Aaron.com and it's E-R-Y-N-N-E and you can find me on Instagram under essentially Aaron as well. Kales, please let the people know but we can be able to catch up with you. You can find me as Black Nerd Magic on Twitter, find me on Instagram as Black Nerd Magic, lowercase on Instagram, and then you can find me on Facebook as my government name, Kales Davis. Hey, brother, thank you so much. E-Man, where can the folks be able to find you at? Uh, Look, it's E-Man, just like He-Man without the H. You can Google me. You can uh, hit up at E-Man's Reviews on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, or just search E-Man's Movie Reviews on YouTube. I got a hot new video coming out. It's a Black Widow theory that you're not going to want to miss. It is literally the craziest theory you'll ever hear about black widow I promise you nobody has ever talked about this um but yeah most definitely come on over to the facebook fan page we got movie news trailers reviews memes oh my god the memes it's a good time e-man's movie reviews hey thanks so much brother and you can follow your boy kobe mac i am everywhere well at least on twitter instagram at kobe told me if you're still in the facebook i am there at kobe mac once again this has been episode zero feeling films the black label thanks so much for spending time with us at the round table and until next time keep feeling film peace